Are you building a green business that works for you and for the planet? Season 3 of Where Ideas Launch walks you through the process of ideating, creating, developing and scaling a green idea from start to success. I leverage my experience along with the experts and micro-entrepreneurs running green business models today. Join us for this short series of 16 episodes of Positive Business Impact for Change. My next guest is Katie Davies from Piece of Cake Coaching. She's a strategy coach, and before coaching, she actually started her own cake business, Katie Bakey. Katie's natural ability to break things down and explain them in simple terms means she can help her clients cut through the overwhelm, gain clarity in their business, and take action to get the life that they want. Using her business MOT, she works with her clients to sort through the tangle of ideas in their heads and helps them create a clear and actionable plan to achieve their goals, solving any problems that pop up along the way. Helping them get organized, manage your time more efficiently, and understanding the online social media world and how to market their business is part of Katie's expertise. Katie, welcome to Where Ideas Launch. Hello, it's lovely to be here. Wonderful to have you. And you know, in this season, I've been digging into things like idea to CEO and how, how green businesses can make their start and then grow and scale. And now you're coming in to talk about the growth part, which I'm really excited about because I think a lot of people aren't sure about their businesses. They, they step tentatively into it. They use it as a side gig. They're not sure they're ever going to replace their income. But I know that you were able to successfully replace your income with your cake business even before you started your coaching business. So yeah. it's a pleasure to have you on the show and it's a pleasure to get into to that journey that you had as well. Yeah, I can't wait to tell you. So tell me, tell me how you got started, Katie. Share with our listeners how you decided to move from where you were, tell us where you were before, and how you leveraged the skills that you had to use them in your cake business. Okay, so uh, where I was, my journey is a little bit convoluted. Um, I never really knew exactly what I wanted to do. Like I think a lot of people, we, we don't really necessarily have a calling and a higher purpose always, and we don't know what it is straight away. So I did a physics degree at uni. I left there and uh, I didn't really know what to do. So I got a job as a receptionist in a design agency, a marketing agency in the West End. And uh, I quickly um, became office manager and I worked through all of the roles in the business, um, you know, HR, finance, invoicing, contracts. Um, I did all of the different roles within the agency and I worked there for 12 years and had different roles throughout the, the whole time I was there. And eventually by the time I left, I uh, was upstairs in the studio uh, and I was a project manager and I ended up doing the marketing for the agency themselves because typically they were a marketing agency and they were terrible at doing their own marketing. So I, 12 years I was there, I did all sorts of things and learned all areas of the business. And I became really frustrated basically. So, um, I had two, the, the agency was kind of run by the finance director, the creative director. And the whole time I worked on the back end, I kind of was under the direction of the finance director. When I moved to the front, I kind of had these two bosses and they couldn't decide what to do. And I found it really frustrating. And I just kind of thought, do you know what? I can do a better job of running a company myself, <laughs> as you do. And uh, baking was my hobby. Um, I've been doing it for about a year 
and I'd got really into it where even when it's your hobby there's lots of rules around food safety you have to be you know the council have to come down as soon as you want to sell anything council have to come down you know inspect your kitchen give you a rating and so even just doing it as a hobby became quite complicated and I was putting a lot of effort into it so I decided to just go for it and I quit my job and I um launched headlong into being a cake maker um and obviously my growth was helped by the fact that I had that background I had that background in the agency for 12 years so I knew how to do my invoicing I knew how to do my accounts I knew how to do my marketing as well as doing the cakes um and then my journey so that was eight years ago and my journey through that got me into the entrepreneur world, which is very different to the corporate world. So all of a sudden you have all your friends also run their own business. And because of my background, I ended up helping people. Um, and they'd be like, how did you do this? How did you get to do this? And oh, I don't really understand this. And a lot of entrepreneurs, they know what they do, but they don't know how to do the rest of it. So I kind of naturally started coaching people and eventually it was my own coach who said to me you need to start charging people for this so about two and a half three years ago I actually started the coaching alongside the cakes um and obviously with the pandemic last year the focus switched um because there weren't any weddings and and I've kind of been doing this much more over the last year with the coaching what do you think were the sort of key ingredients that allowed you to have the growth that you had? Because I'm, I'm guessing that you didn't start in the first month replacing your corporate income. So what no, was it like? <laughs> so, I mean, I was, I'm quite sensible. I made sure I had some, obviously, some savings behind me. Um, that obviously gave me a bit of a time deadline, which a bit of a motivator is always good here. Um, but so I think, Having the background that I had did help with my growth, obviously, because I knew all the whole area of my business. Um, so if you don't know the whole area of your business, don't be afraid to get help and, and ask. But I think, especially with the cakes um, and with any business, the same with the coaching, is so knowing your audience and being intentional with your marketing. Um, because if you, you know, getting your branding right, getting that kind of thing right from the start you might not you might find your way into it but try and bear it in mind I think it is critical to attract the right kind of client because using the cake example um you know there's a whole are you making birthday cakes are you making cream cakes are you making cupcakes are you making wedding cakes like who are you actually like cake if you just say cake it's, it's too vague who are you actually trying to attract and then that will filter down into everything you do. So the images of cake that I put out in the world is going to attract the people back again who are going to buy that. So if you put lots of pictures of tiny cupcakes out, people are going to want cupcakes. If you put lots of stuff out about wedding cakes, people are going to want wedding cakes. So I think it is really critical to understand your branding. Who are you pitching to? Who are your audience? Who is your ideal client? Because you need to grow an audience to be able to kind of grow your business and you need to make sure you're attracting the people to the audience uh, to your business that value your product and services and buy for you um having a large audience of the wrong people is not going to help you it's like 
it is a numbers game, but you can have the wrong numbers. Like you can have a million people on Instagram following you, but if they're not following you because they want to buy from you, it's not going to work. So if you have um, a small committed audience of those right people, then that is going to make it much easier for you to put your efforts in the right place. And if you know who you're trying to attract, you know, are you going to be doing it on Instagram? Are you going to be doing it on Facebook? Are you going to be doing it on LinkedIn? It can help you make those decisions early on so that you're not spreading yourself too thin and you're kind of not putting all of your stuff in one place and you're giving your audience the content that you want. So I think really knowing who is your audience, who are you trying to attract, who are you trying to sell to um, really does help. That's always the challenge as well, because we tend to start with, well, this product can serve anyone. So we want everyone in our audience. Um, and and there's an interesting thing in, in what you were saying. I was listening. And one thing that came to my mind is about the whole idea of the product suite, right? So, so there's one thing about knowing your audience. So for example, you have a big target in weddings. But once, once you're finished with the wedding, there are other things, or even before the wedding, there are other things. So it could be a bridal shower. It could be a kid's party you know and and I think it's so important to understand your product suite so tell me a bit about how you developed that in your business as well so the product suite so obviously cake baking is a kind of might be a slightly different business model but you don't start making five tier wedding cakes you you start making a single tier birthday cake and so you end up with a product suite that actually you might kind of drop some of them along the way but I had a very clear client journey uh, established once I got onto the wedding cake. So my client journey, my Instagram strategy is very much my my grid is wedding cakes and that attracts my clients and they order a wedding cake. But like you say, then on my stories, I show all my other product suite. So they might like say order um, bridal um uh, Hindu cake um, and then obviously they they might do a christening cake and then they might do because once someone's following you they don't need another wedding cake so on my stories I show all the other cakes I do and then they become my repeat customers and they um, then yeah as they grow they have the first birthday cake the christening cake their parents cakes their husband's cakes their wife's cakes and so yeah I I, each, I have a very clear journey for them through my products through my products to yeah. keep them as a client you can't always do that it depends on your business but it's good to know what that's going to be so that you can be intentional with it this is the second time we've we've touched on social media so let's let's get on the visibility path because i think okay. that this is one of the biggest bits of the journey that people initially feel uncomfortable with um yeah. you know people who are doing the do in their business often struggle with being the face of the business also. So tell me about your tips on visibility. So yeah, being visible is kind of key. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to do it. Uh, there are different ways of doing it. And so yeah, you have to put yourself in a position to sell. Now, my cake business is very different to my coaching business. So again, if you're a product-based business or if you're a service-based business, you might have different ways of doing it. I managed to hide behind the cakes in my cake business. I didn't have to put myself 
front and center because I was selling a product. And so my Instagram grid is full of beautiful pictures of cakes and that kind of does the hard work. Then obviously they do meet me in the consultation and, and it's all about personality and making that connection to, to sell the service as such. But with my coaching, I have to be, I'm, I'm the coach, it's me. So there's pictures of my face all over <laughs> over my coaching Instagram which took me a while to get over but you if you're not comfortable doing something and you can do baby steps but depending on what your product is or your service is you know you putting you in the center of your business will make a big difference but again it's once you know what um you're selling and who you're selling to getting your message out there is um is key and being consistent so that's I think the mistake a lot of people make is they're not consistent because they've not really necessarily thought it through and they're trying to do Instagram they're trying to do Facebook they're trying to do this trying to do that and if you're starting off and you can't afford to outsource while you're in the period of the growing you are going to potentially do it all yourself so be consistent pick the things that you know your that's why it's so important to know who you're selling to and then pick the things and just be consistent with it and get yourself out there and you're trying to build the know the like and the trust so you want them to know who you are and know what you do you want them to like what you do and you want them to like who you are and you want them to trust that you're going to do a good job and then they will buy from you and so being visible is is kind of the only way to do that really you need to get that out there and don't be afraid to get help so if you're not a, a natural salesperson and you might need to get some help with your sales copy um because if you don't sell you won't you won't have any sales <laughs> it's, it's like all the pieces do need to be there for it to work as a whole but you do actually, you need to ask for the sale as well. So you need to go out and be visible, show what you're doing, show up, be consistent, get everyone used to you. But you do need to ask for the sale as well. So you need to, you need to pop that in there. And I did a course, you know, I wasn't great at selling. It was something I wasn't confident in. I was really lucky. I, you know, I, I would manage to convert my consultations to a sale without asking for the sale. But I had to work so much harder to have done all the work before we got there. So they were almost ready to buy. But, you know, if you are some, you, you need to just, yeah, put yourself in a position to sell. That's so important. And I think the next element of this is you step, it's not really, almost it's, it's the other way around even. You first have to build the audience and the network. So there's there's a piece on social media, but then there's, there's also the networking. And I, I think when you're just getting started, networking is probably even more critical. I don't know if yeah. you agree with that. Tell I me, do. tell me your thoughts on this. So networking was something I didn't really know what it was, to be honest, not in the same format that I do now. So obviously working in an office, there was meetings and people would come and do things. And I know my boss would take people out for lunch, you know, which is a kind of networking. There is the specific structured networking meetings, but there is also um, organic networking. So building a network of people connections here will help you in your business. So 
obviously in the wedding industry, building a network of florists and bridal shops and wedding planners and other people who, you know, depending on which network you're in, that they're referred to as kind of introducers. So instead of constantly trying to find the end client, like a million clients, you make a connection with a florist, with a bridal person, with somebody else in your industry who has the same clients as you, is adjacent to you, but is not your direct competitor. And then instead of, so I was very lucky, I met and worked with a florist very early on in my cake business who would constantly refer me her clients. So they were going for a consultation with her and then she'd say to them, you know, do you need cake? And they would be, oh, and she'd pass them my details. So you can do that organically. But obviously, if you go to networking meetings, it's a quicker way to kind of find these people and to do that. There are lots of different ways to do it. I did it very early on. One of the first things I did when I started my cake business was I went out looking for a network to join. And I went along as a guest, I went along as a visitor, I kind of scoped them all out because they're all very different. So there are some where you meet every week, some where you meet every month, they all have a different demographic of who their members are, there are some industry specific ones. So if your industry is very niche, like there are specifically wedding networks, um, or there's the more generic where you have one person from each industry. Um, and the key to networking properly is to do your research and to go out there and find out what ones are around, what ones will work for you and think about how much of your marketing do you want it to take up. So I did join one where I went every week. There were ones you go every month. There, at the moment, there is, um, obviously, there's the FSB which has kind of no commitment at all. And you can just go whenever you want. Um, so there isn't really a big range of different networking things, but the key to them is to do your research, pick the right ones and know why you're going and what you want the outcome to be when you actually get there. So the biggest mistake that I see people make with networking is they pick something to go to and that's it, they stop there. That's all they do. They're going to go and that's it. They don't think about it anymore. So if you can, find out beforehand as much as you can who else is going. Make yourself a target hit list of who do you want to be introduced to, who do you want to speak to. Um, find out and what do you, when you do speak to that person, what do you want that outcome to be? Do you want to arrange a meeting with them? Do you want to just exchange email addresses and you'll connect with them later? Again, be ready for your audience. So always know your audience for the networking as well, because depending on what kind of networking you're going to, people have a different connection strategy. So in the wedding world, everyone's always swapping Instagram accounts. At the FSB, everyone's swapping LinkedIn accounts. So it's kind of knowing what you want out of it. And also, all of these different networking places, you need to find out how long you're going to get to speak. Some of them give you 30 seconds, some of them give you a minute, you might have five minutes. So how are you going to introduce yourself? What are you actually going to say? If I say, hi, I'm Katie, I'm a business coach. And that's it. It's kind of forgettable. It's, it's not really going to have an impact on anybody. They're going to meet a million business coaches. So if I said something like, 
Hi, I'm Katie. I'm your strategy coach. I help you get unstuck in your head. I have a free Facebook group where you can go and download my free guide, uh, five ways to up your Instagram engagement. That might get their attention more. Um, tell them something, give them something. What do you want them to do? If, if you give someone an instruction, weirdly, they do tend to follow it. So if you kind of say to them, follow me on Instagram, find me on LinkedIn, this is where you can find me, this is where I want you to go, this is what I can do for you, rather than just being unforgettable because at these networking events you you do need to kind of stand out and that is a mistake that I see a lot of people do is they're too vague with their messaging they haven't had they haven't gone with an intention of what they want to get out of it and what they want the people to do what action do you want them to take and how do you want to connect them and something else at the moment everything's on zoom uh, a lot of things are on Zoom and the chat function is great. So while you're saying all this, be prepared, have all your links, have your email address, have your LinkedIn, have your, and like as you're saying it, tell them, say, I'm going to pop the links in my, in the chat. I'm going to pop the links in the chat. And then it encourages people to actually connect. Again, you're giving them an instruction, you know, go there, go to my group, join my group, love to see you in there. So yeah, networking, I really, yes, Catherine, yes, 100% behind the networking, but be intentional with it, do your research and don't be vague with it, don't be unforgettable. If you're going to spend a few hours out of your day going, make sure you get something out of it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we're going to slightly move again and, and pivot a bit because I want to get into some of the other things that I've talked about on this idea to see your journey, which is about the automation. So, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of advancements in technology now. And actually, when I got into business, it was about helping small businesses and medium sized businesses adapt and adopt more technology in their systems and ways of doing things. So let's let's talk a little bit about systems that help you scale. One of the key things about setting up systems and automate, I mean, you need some kind of system, even if it's a folder. When I very first started, you know, I had an Excel spreadsheet and I would put my invoices in and I would print them all out and I'd use that as my kind of workflow guide. You need some kind of system, but as you grow, that's not going to work. It needs to be automated. And what I've done with my coaching business very much, which I didn't do as much with my cake business was I've implemented things before I need them. So I think that is, if you know you want to grow, okay, you can cope at the moment. But then if everything you're doing, the networking, the being visible, the knowing your audience and stuff, at some point you're going to get an influx of sales and inquiries. And can your systems cope with it? How do you, like, you have to kind of plot out a client journey. How does someone enter your world and what happens to them? And what part of that process can you automate? So um, with the coaching business, I very much have my contracts automated, I've just been linking up my calendar. So they automatically creates the Zoom meeting and emails everyone. And so you can take out, think about what takes you time. What is a repetitive process? What can you do? And most of it is to do with the communication between yourself and the clients, the buying process, the signing contracts, D depending on how bespoke your um, service is. So in my cake business, 
I can't automate it nearly as much because every cake is bespoke. It's different. It's handmade. Everything's different. Whereas in the coaching business, it's a lot more formulaic. So I can easily just like they buy a product, they buy a service. It's all done automatically. But the biggest thing is do it early. Don't wait till you're too busy because then you'll be too busy. And you won't be able to actually spend the time putting in the systems and the processes. So it's it's kind of admin based. It's communication based. It's sending things out. It's the purchasing cycle. Um, it's just plotting out your client journey. And I don't know if you want me to go into the systems I use, but it's it's just trying to take out those things that take up your time. Do you think that these things are easy to learn? Is is there a is there one particular piece of automation that you would recommend that people tackle first? Well, you said how they're easy to learn. So a lot of my clients, I find with my coaching clients, it varies. So some people just can't get their head around it. And there are tech VAs out there. And if you get to the position where you are really kind of getting to the point where you are growing outsource it if it's going to take you an entire day to do something outsource it get a tech va um but the other thing is people are so willing to help i know so many people who they pop a question in a facebook group and i'm trying to connect my zoom to my dubsado like it's not working people will help you so don't be scared to ask um I find it easy. So I'm lucky. I tech naturally doesn't phase me. I tend to get to work quite easily. So, um, I mean, the things that I think having a good invoicing system, having your account set up properly, because as obviously the bigger picture, you need to know your numbers. You need to know how much money you're making in your business. And if you're sitting there every month, spending hours doing your accounts, it's not really a good use of time. So, I mean, for the um, the system that I find really good with the coaching is um, Dubsado. So it is, um, I think it was designed for creative specifically, but you can have all your contracts in there and it's all automated workflows. So, you know, you can, you know, you send them the invoice, they pay the invoice, it sends them the contract, they sign the contract then they pick a date and it creates the Zoom link and it sends them the meeting and it just does all this stuff. And you're not constantly going, oh, have they signed it yet? Oh, I need to send them the next bit. Oh, have they done this bit? Um, So I think setting up a calendar so people can meet you easily is great. Have a good accounting system and this kind of sending people contracts and things. If if that's part of your business, they're, they're really key. Really good tips. Probably the last area I want to dabble into is time management because you are the queen of this in all of the entrepreneurs that I've met. You are probably the person that makes time simplest. Can you share with us some key tips on, on managing our time as entrepreneurs? Time management. So that was something that I think comes from the fact I was a cake maker first. You will probably not find a cake maker who is not good at time management because because of the the nature of the business. You know, you've got a wedding cake to deliver at three o'clock on Saturday. You have to be there. You have to get it done. You have to know exactly when you're doing what, when, and get all the bits of the cake ready. So most cake makers are pretty much on top of their time. Um, But 
if you you know especially with my coaching clients as well you can teach people all the things in the world you can tell it but if you don't have time to implement it you don't have time to live your life it's, it's not going to work so time management is my favorite topic we'll talk about this for another whole podcast but I will try and do it concisely and as quickly as I can essentially time management is different having a list so a list is all the things that need to be done but there's no specific time frame in which they're getting done um, or order they're getting done and so if you have a list for the day or a list for the week you will never be sort of start at the top and you work your way down and it takes as long as it takes and you don't ever get to the stuff at the bottom and the list goes to the next day and the next day the next day and the next day and you're kind of constantly never getting through things and projects aren't getting started and things aren't getting done so the concept of the time management I mean you have to make it work for your business there isn't there isn't a one-size-fits-all but as an overview a starting point you would have that list you still need the list you obviously still need to know the things that need to get done but the way I kind of do it is obviously I have my diary and I have all the appointments and all the non-negotiables and you put the whole life into it. It's not just work. So if you have a family, if you have children, you know, they need to be at school, they need to be picked up, there's a party, you need to go to the gym, you're going to the dentist, you're having your hair done. You know, you have appointments, you have life. So I have, um, it's, it's difficult to explain without showing it, but basically a time blocking sheet for the week which is just all the days across the top, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, through to Sunday, times down the side, you know, whatever time you need to start, 6am, 9am, all the way through to bedtime. It's just a kind of chart. And you block out the times that you're going to do things. So every I encourage all of my clients to, this filters down from your strategy. So you would have your overall strategy of the year, the month, the week, the things that need to be done, things in your diary. But then every Sunday or the beginning of the week, you filter this down into your time blocking sheet for the week. And you take all of those appointments, you take all of your non-negotiables and you put them into the week. And then you basically see what's left. What time have you got left? And then, you know, make sure you eat make sure you drink, make sure you have time off, make sure that you are doing all those things. It's not just about work. As entrepreneurs, we need to really take care of ourselves as well. And you kind of see how much time you've got left. And then that's where that list kind of comes in. And you look at the list and that's the kind of like working on the business thing. So you've already put in all the things that are the business. Uh, if you're making a cake or something, you work it backwards, fill all in. But then you fill in all the gaps with the... So if you need to write a blog, instead of just having, okay, Monday or this week, I'm going to write a blog. You fill in a gap at 10 o'clock on Monday and writing the blog for an hour and you stick to it and you work on it for that hour. And if you don't finish it, you've started it you're moving projects forward and if you work well doing things all in one go and you need to finish the blog then maybe you find a gap that's two hours but the point of the time blocking is to get everything a place and to move projects forward and to keep working on things and I don't know about you but 
if you've got a deadline, you pretty much get it done. Like if I've got a load of emails, I haven't answered and I need to leave the house in an hour, all of a sudden, I managed to answer all those emails in that one hour when otherwise I could have quite happily sat there for the entire morning faffing about doing things. So there's different ways to do it. Work to your strengths. You need to understand your own personality. If you put yourself under too much pressure, is that going to be counterproductive? If you work well under pressure, having these time blocks and these things, okay, I'm going to schedule my social media. I've got an hour to get as much done as I can piggybacking things like I said if there's something you procrastinate about if you know you've got a meeting or you know you're leaving the house give yourself like the half an hour beforehand to do the thing that you try not to do and guarantee you'll get it done quicker but it's kind of that concept of having a time and a space for everything and reviewing it and also then you can really see realistically can you get all this stuff done Once you've blocked it all out, if you physically cannot fit everything in in the week, then there's a problem and you can see why stuff isn't getting done. And then you can like make executive decisions. Do I need to start outsourcing things? Do I need to get up earlier? Do I need to actually move this meeting? Is there something I'm doing, which is taking me three hours a week? That's when the automation comes in. Can I find a quicker way? So it's, it's kind of using that time productively and having that bigger picture of what you're actually doing. Because if we're really honest about it, we can waste a lot of time faffing about. And it gets over decision fatigue as well. If you're having a bit of a naff day and you're tired, you're not really sure, when you get up in the morning, it's all planned out for you. You know what you've got to do and you can kind of get going rather than spending 20 minutes thinking, oh, what am I going to do? There's all these things. Which one am I going to do? It's all kind of mapped out for you. So, like I said, normally I would spend a whole podcast just talking about time management, but I think, did I miss anything? Did you have me talk about this so many times? No, I, I mean, I think you have, I think you have. And and look, the, the thing about, the thing about this is people, people are, are trying to build and scale and, and that's the time when time becomes really under pressure. So yeah. I think it's so essential to either get the automations really slick get a team, but even with the team, even with all of that, you still need to be completely in command of what your available time really is. Yeah. Um, so that's that's really essential. And the the more, I guess, the more developed and, um, and mature your business is, the more, let's say you have routine and set structures around things. So for example, I only do interviews on Tuesdays and Thursdays because the rest of my days are blocked for other things, you know, and you, you kind of get into a rhythm with those things. So this is, this is really, really, really good. So let everyone know where they can find you. I am a piece of cake coaching uh, and I have a Facebook group, um, which gives all free advice and tips and things, which is called the missing piece. Yeah, if you just kind of Google piece of cake coaching or on Facebook, you can find me in my group, The Missing Piece. Wonderful. Thanks, Katie, for joining us and for giving us all those great nuggets of, in- of advice. And we will welcome you back onto the show later on as we start bringing together all the successes that we've had on our journey. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been lovely. This episode was brought to you today by the Eco Business Growth Club by Catherine Ann Byam and by The Space Where Ideas Launch. The Eco Business Growth Club supports positive impact SMEs with coaching, know-how and community support toward achieving the impact and reach they set out to make. 
You can find out more by connecting with Where Ideas Launch on Instagram or following the hashtag Where Ideas Launch across all of your social media.